Mom always told me to be a good boy, but the world said I could be anything I wanted to be, which is great, because I want to be a problem. No, I won't dive into sex, drugs, or gender confusion. To the world, that would make me a good little boy. I will learn formal logic and adhere firmly to the concept of objective truth. I will commit myself absolutely to the authority of the Word of God and make friends with Augustine, Luther, Calvin, Chesterton, Lewis, and the U.S. Constitution. I hope to grow up and love only one woman, a woman at least as clear-thinking and rebellious in this world as I will be, who knows where true beauty lies and who will never let me stop striving to be the biggest problem I can be. I will give my life for hers and aim to have a family large enough to require specialty automobiles. We will worship in a church unashamed of the gospel and live in a community of families doing the same. I will work myself to the bone providing for my family and I will make sure my kids all fall in love with Narnia and Middle Earth, that they will all know how to think, that evolution will make them giggle, and rainbows will make them think of Noah and his archiarchy. Like I said, I will be a problem, immune to all that is hip and trendy and now. Singing songs that are centuries old, savoring good wine and great whiskey, dancing and laughing and feasting while the enemies of God scowl and glower in shelter in place. Hey, little boy, the world says, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a metastasizing cancer of conservative Christian culture, devouring Marx's impotent progressive dream and building a resurrected Western world. I want to be a stomper of stupid sandcastles, an exposer of poisonous lies. I want my life to be a monument to the triune creator God who made us all, the kind of monument you and yours will never be able to tear down. Oh, and farm. Thanks for asking. New St. Andrews College. Liberal Arts for Outlaws. There you go. Good Friday evening. Welcome to Cross Politics on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. The Biden administration uh, decided finally, because there was actually a judge that told him to stop uh, taking applications for the student loan debt. Oh, did you follow that? No. Uh, and listen? Arizona got confused and they stopped counting votes too at the same time. It was it was the judge talking to us about stopping. Anyways, Pastor Toby Chuck Knox, I'm the water boy. And we got Josh Abatoy in the studio with us. And we're gonna we're gonna kinda get into, you know, what's going on in 2022 election. I mean, it's not stopped. It's not stopped. I want to know what fat boy beauty pageant means. If Fat Boy you Summer is really the notes what, early. I know. I know. <laughs> Don't look yeah. at the notes. I was here for show yeah. You know what? Honestly, it summarizes kind of everything we've been talking about with politics. Yeah, Fat it Boy really does. Beauty yeah, it yeah. really does. Right. Yeah. Hey, join the Fight Laffy's Club membership because we have lame ads that I have to read every single. <laughs> and if if you joined, we can get rid of them. We would get. We would have somebody on staff. In fact, who, who would be dedicated to writing right. better ads? That's true. And but my, my club members can submit an ad too to us. Oh, they can. Yeah, contact at fightlaffees.com. If you would like a to ad. hear a better Fight Laffy's Club membership oh, ad, like write us an ad. Join and send us one by joining the Fight Laffy's Club Army. You. Not only will be aiding in our fight to take down secular and legacy media, but mm-hmm. you also get access to content placed in our club portal, such as past shows. All our, don't turn the music down. I like oh, it. I'm sorry. And exclusive content for club members that you won't be able to find anywhere else. Lastly, you always get discounts for our conferences. I feel like I'm getting ready for that fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Um, so go to fightlifefeast.com. Join today. And now all club members can log in and get uh, communicate with us on the social media experience that we built in the club portal. It's fantastic. Is I've that been, why people are I've sending been, me emails? Yeah, probably. I'm yeah. ignoring them. It's Ignore. been great. 
Ignore. Yeah. Ignore. That, that's not helping. What hey, we're, trying we're really to, grateful trying to, to have with us today Josh Abatois, managing director at New Founding. He also earned a BA from Union University before earning his JD from Harvard Law School. Gabe, what? Got Gabe, careful. He's from Harvard Law. I know, that's true. He also lives in Dallas, Texas. Oh, I see why we got him on. Wow. From Texas. With his wife. Promise Land. Wait, where is it? Where is it? No. No. We're in news mode. (laughs) This is news mode. (laughs) He also, you may know his name from breaking the story of Grove City College going woke last year. Right? That was (laughs) you. Something like that? (laughs) I came alongside the story. It was breaking on its own, but uh, yeah. yeah. They, uh, yeah, they've, uh, you know, group of parents noticed uh, some woke signs coming into the institution. Um, coming out of the summer of 2020, uh, the school started getting, uh, taking an interest in, in social justice in a way that was causing a lot of concern. And so, yeah, the group, grassroots group of parents, uh, you know, rose up and uh, made their voices known to the administration. Um, and uh, they were basically stonewalled. And so at that point, I... And got they, involved, and then they they started a petition. Yes, that, and and that finally got the the board's attention. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, and like yeah. La, like last spring or something yeah. like that. Yeah, in April of last spring, the board actually released a huge report, and they said, you know what, this is rare. Institutions don't often do this, right? They <laughs> they uh, they said, yeah, you know, there's a problem You're right. here. There's and, a problem, and huh. we got to fix it. And wow. they told the president to do a bunch of stuff. Um, the uh, the grassroots coalition is grading strictly right now. I'll say that. Yeah. And they don't, they're not happy with the progress that's been made. And so actually yesterday morning, um, they, uh, this group of parents um, released a new petition and they're actually calling for a leadership change at the top of the university. So they've, uh, they've put that petition out there. It's at savegrovecity.com. Yeah, uh, SaveGroveCity.com. Check that out. They've got a, it's a very well written petition. Yeah. Lay out a lot of facts, and then they have a timeline actually where they kind of cover the whole story of the controversy from the very beginning up until yeah. today. Yeah. So anybody who wants to kind of check up on what what the story is there can find a lot of good information at that site. And I mean, this includes it says friends of Grove City College. So really, anybody that cares about Grove City College, yeah, could sign this. Yeah. You don't have to yep. be officially connected to that's the college. Right. That's right. Okay. And and they they are taking either public or anonymous signatures. My understanding is that they're working as we speak on verifying uh, yeah. public signatures. Yeah. They say. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So why why did you get involved? I have some friends who are alumni of Grove City and, okay. you know it uh, the 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 way that um the way that the school sort of punched back at parents when they made their concerns known sort of activated my sense of justice. Um, I think the the parents went with open hands and said, hey. we're seeing some issues. Can you please fix this? And they were sort of uh, pushed back um, mm. as, you know, as outside enemies rather than, you know, people so, who had the good of the institution. Did you have a heart for the little guy then? I do. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You know, we've been talking for like an hour and a half and somewhere in there where we were talking, I think in the beginning, I was like, this guy is reading me. And I think it's the <laughs> lawyer in you, but I didn't know you went to Harvard Law School. <laughs> Right? That, yeah. That, that's yeah. You, They say it's so humble. Yeah. This is the second time I think somebody from New Founding has been on the show and like, oh, you went to Harvard too. You guys just like grouping together at New Founding? <laughs> um, you know, I, I think there's a certain type of person who goes to an elite school like that. You know, most people go there and they get very well programmed and they go and get a corporate job and they're very, they're very safe. They stay within the bounds that society yeah. wants them to stay in. 
some people go up there and they get kind of radicalized. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and you got radicalized? Did well, it? he's on cross hey, politics. Hey, 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 put one plus one together. Okay, makes two. I, uh, I, I was following. <laughs> They're like, he but... didn't say with his own mouth, it ain't happened. So then, what? how did you get to New Founding? Yeah, I um, I just started talking to the guys over there, admired what they were building from a distance, just struck up a conversation with them, learning about the organization. Um, Can you remind us what New Founding is for those of us? Absolutely, who yeah. New, New Founding is a venture studio. We're, we're launching all sorts of ventures daily. Our main project is a, is a social media uh, platform, technology platform that's looking to scale human trust onto the internet. Ooh. So we're trying to find a way to, to create widespread... Uh, value, you know, value judgments, judgments that people make about products, businesses, um, and and bring that up onto the internet. Uh, this is something that's going to help um, people who are concerned about the moral state of our nation, and wanting to understand where they spend their money. Um, but it's also going to help, um, you know, just just get past some basic issues that places like Google and Amazon have with mm. producing garbage information. Uh, where reviews can easily be gamed. So we want to right. create a system where people are rewarded for having good judgment and providing valuable information. So speaking of garbage information, <laughs> what was your take on the midterms? <laughs> well, you know... Garbage uh, in, garbage out. So, so obviously they were, from one perspective, they were sort of a disaster, Right. Um, you know, Biden is one of the most unpopular presidents in the history of polling. Um, you right. know, inflation. It's not what is, the votes say. It's not what the votes say. Eighty-one. Well, I'm, I'm getting to that. I mean, the, the, eighty-one the, million. But you know, there's the approval polls, and they, you know, yeah. they say he's very low in the approval polls. Um, you know, he's got you know ten percent official inflation. You know, probably higher. Um, uh, yeah. <clears throat> at the same time, the market's down. It's it's a terrible economy. Yeah. Um, you know, and. Uh, you know, so, so all of those conditions, you think we should have had a, a huge red tsunami. Um, and so why didn't we have a huge red tsunami? And, and that's that's the interesting question. My take on that is probably a little bit different than, you know, I'm not I'm not necessarily looking to blame Republican leadership. Maybe there's some blame there. Well, thanks <clears> for there coming. There is. There Appreciate is. No, there not, is. I'm, not, I'm not necessarily yeah, looking to blame, yeah. you know, uh, Trump or, you know, particular candidates. This failure happened in a lot of places, in a lot of different districts. And I think fundamentally, it just shows how divided our country is. It, you know, you can have a historically unpopular president, and it's really not going to move the needle that much because people are voting based on how they feel about things like abortion or about minors having, uh, you know, gender transitions. Um, you know, you see this in Pennsylvania. You know, uh, Fetterman, you know, has had a stroke. He's, you know, in a realistic sense, how can he do the job of what a senator is supposed to do? You know, go and deliberate on the floor and argue. Um, but the Democrats don't but, need someone who argues. <laughs> they need somebody, they need a warm body who's a reliable right. vote on That's the right. issues that they care about. That's right. And you know what? I mean, if, if the shoe had been on the other foot, um, you know, I think the Republicans would have happily voted in somebody who just had a stroke and had capacity issues mm. because the issues that are on the table right now, Richard, we really Richard. care about. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you ain't lied about that. No, I, you know, it took me wrong. a second to he's think about wrong. that. I was thinking about that yesterday. I was like, yeah, you know, I think who was it? I think it was Steve Dace talking about how galvanized we are. It was like Republicans wouldn't have done anything different than the Democrats. And and I'm, I had to think about it. I was like, you know, he's right because I want somebody, even if a guy can just move his finger to be pro-life. So so does that <laughs> vote mean, against the government on stuff? So does that mean that it's just merely a matter of numbers? Like they're everybody's galvanized on their issues and we just didn't have the numbers? Or 
did we not really do the work we needed to do to win? I think that um, the ban the number of persuadables is lower than it's ever been. Yeah. Um, you know, so maybe there were some issues with the way that we ran, and maybe the lesson is you have to be perfect. You can't have any execution problems. Right. Um, because there's just you know five percent maybe of the electorate is really persuadable in one direction That's or another. Interesting. That's interesting That's really because interesting. I think yeah. I was talking, who were we talking with um, about this? But they, he made the point that there was 30% that's conservative. There's this... Um, Thirty percent that's liberal, there's forty percent that's conservative. This other thirty percent gooey middle. You think that thirty percent gooey middle is not really thirty percent anymore? No, I don't think so. I mean, and um, you know, I, I I hate to say it, but the you know, I think the abortion issue was very galvanizing for the left. And right. uh, you know, when that's when that issue is at the front and center of people's minds, I think they're more likely to oh. identify as liberals and support liberal causes. You, you know, you're right about that because the exit poll shows that it was number two on the list when yeah. actually everything that was polling before that said, right. oh, it's like number, it's down there. It's like 7% not of the people. Not a big yeah. deal at all for yeah. people. But coming out of the exit polls, it was yeah. actually right and, behind I mean, the economy. Look at, I mean, this is sobering. Look at states like Kentucky, Montana. Right. They had abortion laws fail on the ballots. Right. Well, in Kentucky in particular. I mean, there's yeah. some of them, you know, I think it's like, New, was it New Jersey or Vermont or one of those New England, New England city, California, mm-hmm. you know, they had some pretty extremist law, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Kentucky. Yeah. And Montana. Well, but Montana's got a weird li- libertarian streak. You know, they want to smoke pot and kill their babies. Mm-hmm. Why having guns? Kentucky's uh, a sixty-five percent red state. Yeah, that's and the that's the abortion one failing on the ballot. There. Right, right. And yeah, all they wow. were saying is it's not wow. a constitutional right in our state constitution, yeah. and that's. But I also sometimes wonder, like, how those things are written. Conservatives are like, yeah, you know, they can be confusing in how it's written. Uh, So yesterday when we were ending the show. (laughs) That's my only defense. We're done. No, please. We're moving on. Please move on past that. A day late in the Dallas show. So then I was saying. You know what? You're like the elections out there in Arizona. You're just late. Uh, (laughs) And slow. (laughs) Um, So yesterday we ended the show. And as we're ending the show yesterday, we get a notification of Trump writing a letter. Yeah. Talking about DeSantis. Well, we, well, we, well, we talked about Winsome Sears, Winsome Sears. In, uh, in Virginia, the lieutenant governor, which is interesting. Why are they interviewing her? Yeah. And she's like, Trump needs to get out of the way. And Yonkin's last name sounds Chinese. So I, have you have, have you seen the letter yet? <laughs> uh, you know, I skimmed it. Okay, Trump, so Trump said that, not we, me. Just I, say no. I just want, so I think we Nobody should cares, read Gabe. part of the letter for our audience. So some people haven't so this read is, it. So this is, uh, yeah, former President Trump uh, coming out. Coming out after Ron. Ron came to me desperate, in desperate shape in 2017. He was politically dead, losing in a landslide to a very good agriculture commissioner, Adam Putnam, who was loaded with cash and great poll numbers. Ron had low approval, bad polls, and no money, but he said that if I would endorse him, he could win. I didn't know Adam, so I said, let's give it a shot, Ron. When I endorsed him, it was as though, to use a bad term, a nuclear weapon went off. (laughs) I wish I I I had a Trump accent to do this with, but I don't. Years later, they were the exact words that Adam Putnam used in describing Ron's endorsement. He said, I went from having it made with no competition to immediately getting absolutely clobbered after your endorsement. I then got Ron by the 
star of the Democrat Party, a- Andrew Gillum, who was later revealed to be a crackhead. <laughs> this is, this, this is still Trump. Isn't it? Yeah, by, by having two massive rallies with tens of thousands of people at each one, I also fixed his campaign, which had completely fallen apart. I was all in for Ron, and he beat Gillum. But after the race, when votes are being stolen by the corrupt election process in Broward County, and Ron was going down 10,000 votes a day, along with now Senator Rick Scott, I sent in the FBI and the U.S. attorneys, and the ballot theft immediately ended. Just prior to them running out of the votes necessary to win, I stopped his election from being stolen. Oh, wow. We don't know why wow. stop his election from being <laughs> stolen. But, I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. And now, Ron DeSanctimonious is playing games, exclamation point. The fake news asks him if he's going to run if President Trump runs, and he says, I'm only focused on the governor's race. I'm not looking into the future. Well, in terms of loyalty and class, that's not really the right answer. This is just like 2015 and 2016, a media assault, he has in parentheses, collusion, when Fox News fought me to the end until I won, and then they couldn't have been nicer or more supportive. The Wall Street That's Journal true. loved low-energy Jeb Bush. <laughs> I love his nicknames. And a succession of other people as they rapidly disappeared from sight, finally falling in line with me after I easily knocked them out one by one. We're in exactly the same position now. They will keep coming after us, MAGA, but ultimately we will win. Put America first and make America great again. You know, exclamation, this is, exclamation. This is exclamation. interesting. This really isn't about Ron DeSantis. This is more about Trump gathering his base. But I wonder what you think, Josh. Like at, when you when you hear this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the Trump is smart. He knows what he's doing. He's controlling the news cycle with, you know, coming mm. out and critiquing Ron right before the midterms. And then, and then this letter... Um, and there's a, there's a real danger for Ron here. Um, you know, Ron is actually at risk of having the Republican establishment fall behind him. And that's going to be a massive liability in the primaries if that oh, happens. That's an interesting yeah. way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Explain yeah. it, though. Yeah. Right. So, I think I know what you mean, but go. Right. So if, if Ron appears to be the alternative, the one alternative who can actually beat Trump and be the GOP nominee... Um, he's going to get the support of people like Mitch McConnell mm-hmm. and all of the rest who yeah. are hated in the Republican Party. Yeah, by MAGA when, particularly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. when they all line up behind Ron, that's the day Ron loses because wow. he's going to be the establishment pick. That's and, right. You know, people. And he, and he already right. kind of feels he's kind of slick. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah. he's mm-hmm. kind of smooth already, even though he's taken a lot of harder stands, bolder yeah. stands. Yeah. So that's, how do you? So how do you? If you're giving him advice on how to move forward. How do you stop mm. that from happening? Um, I would, if I were in his campaign, I would tell every establishment Republican, do not publicly endorse me. In fact, I would actually probably prefer for there to be a more establishment candidate to run who could take that heat. Yeah. Um, you know, I would not ask, seek, I would actively ask people not to endorse me from Maybe the we can get Jeb Bush to run again. You know what? Yeah. I, Jeb! But doesn't Trump make, doesn't Trump make a valid point that, Ron should, uh, you know, he should be saying, you know what? Trump was there for me. I wouldn't be where I was. Yeah, that line, well, in, ter- well, in terms of loyalty and class, that's not really the right answer. <laughs> I mean, well, isn't he right about that, though? I mean, Ron really did get the bump from Trump. He wouldn't be where he was if it wasn't for Trump. He wouldn't have been that type of leading governor if he didn't have that type of president out there. Right. I, so so I mean, I, there, doesn't he owe Trump some sort of like, hey, you know what? I was happy that Trump won. He's done a lot of great things for our country. Of course, 
wouldn't he be a classy man to admit those things instead of kind of like, yeah. Well, you know, DeSantis has admitted those things. I mean, in, in politics, you know, uh, it's a dirty business, you know. I mean, it, sure, Trump helped him and DeSantis has thanked him for helping him. But it's also true that DeSantis hasn't really been he's he said he's not going to run uh, on several occasions. And Trump is still coming after him because other people are saying, oh, what he's going to run his own. like like Gabe. Yeah, right. No, I totally, yeah, exactly. Totally 100%. Why Trump scared of me? Um, why does that hurt DeSantis? Trump doing what he's doing. Why does it hurt DeSantis more than it hurts Trump? I mean, uh, the last, I say, 24, 48 hours, I've heard a lot of people who like Trump come out and be like, what the heck is he thinking? Yeah, a shooting, lot of people are. shooting at friendly fire. Well, I don't think it necessarily hurts DeSantis yet, but, you know, Trump is, uh, you know, Trump cares a lot about loyalty and, you know, he's, I think he's kind of signaling to backers, you know, if you, um, you know, I want to see where you stand. And if you're, you know, if you're kind of hedging your bets or maybe getting behind DeSantis, uh, that means you're on the outs in my campaign and administration. And, uh, you know, so, so he's asking people to, to, to signal where they're going to stand. Um, you know, and I think he's also probably encouraging or provoking an establishment reaction in support of DeSantis. It, uh, you know, <laughs> right or wrong, it reminds you of 2016. It reminds that's, you of all what, of the mainstream Republicans yeah. lining up yeah. behind yeah. Anybody, anybody but Trump. Anybody but Trump. Yeah. And, right. But this yeah. is what Trump does. I'm not surprised that he's doing this. Yeah. Right. No, this is no, how he no, communicates, this is how he acts. Yeah. I mean, watching him, what he did with Ted Cruz was um, uh, Ted Cruz, I mean, he's. He knows politics. He knows how to communicate publicly. And for Ted Cruz to get pushed off of his stump and manhandled and owned yeah. was amazing to watch happen publicly. Because that was yeah. the last person. I was like, Ted Cruz is going to walk. He's the most intelligent person up there. He's mm -hmm. going to walk away. I've seen Ted Cruz out of nowhere get up and give a speech for two hours on the Constitution. He's a brilliant guy. But he couldn't even handle Trump. Trump's a brawler. Right, he's a brawler. Yeah. And so he, he took him out of the knee. So I'm not surprised that Trump is acting this way, but everybody's acting like, oh, Trump, how could you do this? But that's what Trump does. Mm -hmm. That's what he does. That's how he, that's how he controls things. So anyway, I, I, I think there is some respect that needs to be paid to Trump, even at this moment. I think, I think DeSantis can help guide Trump by saying, hey, you know what, man? I appreciate you. I don't care what everybody's putting in your ear. I've always supported you. I'm grateful to be here. I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for you. And so I just want to say thank you. That's where I'm standing at. And I'm trying to be a good governor of Florida. That's my important. It's how you treat Godfathers. Right. I, I think this, that's I, I, kiss the I, ring. Yeah. It's not just kissing <laughs> the ring. I think that we've I been so, for so broken down in that's the fifth commandment yeah. that we don't know how yeah, to honor men before us. Yeah. Now, on the other side of that, some of the men that we have to honor and learn how to honor don't know how to pass the torch. Yeah. You know, we yeah. don't know how what succession looks right. like. Right. We don't know how to build it up for the next man. Now, mm. one of the things about politics, my problem with DeSantis is I think politics is more like wine. You need to sit there and mellow out a little bit, get your proof up, get your yeah. flavor up, and then you can go ahead and engage in this. Um, I, I, you know, no man, no man, he got his crown. He got his crown. Did you see that? I have fought the good fight. I got my crown. I have kept the faith. I don't think, yeah, he, can, I don't think yeah. he knows what that Anyways. means. Yeah. Uh, so, um, what's the story with Arizona? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, okay, this, let's this, get to Arizona and then we got to Gabe all got wrapped all oh, inside a truck. I know. I was, I, was, I was curious. I'm curious like cat. I'm, I'm curious. And then I want to know about fat uh, So, we need to do just a fat quick. Boys. I don't know if we'll get there. I don't know if I have time. But, do we have time? We can kind of go a little longer or something. We don't. Okay. All right. We need to do a little update on Carrie Lake in Arizona. Um. Like uh, what's uh, her name? 
Uh, Carrie, oh, totally, hundred percent, Carrie. I'm, I'm on my, checking. I'm on my game she now. Tweeted, she tweeted earlier. There's big, big news coming. Yeah. And so on Charlie Kirk's show. Yep. Charlie she, bit my finger. Yeah. <laughs> this was this was, was that good? Was no. that no? That was no. good. Yeah. <laughs> Who was it? I, I got my producers laughing though. Yeah. That, that's yeah. All right. He's so this is the big update that Carrie Lake was yeah. referencing on Charlie Kirk. What, Gina Swoboda. Uh, Gina, Gina what, what percentage of ballots left in Pima County are late earlies versus election day drop-offs? So it looks like, according to what Gabby said this morning, um, that she was conflating. It was not that there are 103,000 late early drop-offs. It's really about 50,000 late early drop-offs and then 44 or 45,000 uh, that came in for that Friday, Saturday, Monday. So it's about 50,000 late earlies. So 50,000 drops, is that right? Correct. So th those should favor us probably 55 to 57 percent, maybe correct. even more, right? Yeah, correct. 55 to, to 47, 55 to 58. We looked at that um, in the last drop and we won those. Got it. So, and then those late earlies in Pima shouldn't be as bad as some of the prior earlies. Is that right? Yes. Yes. So those, you, those, uh, those are not our majority voters. Yeah. So if, if you blend that all together, there's a chance that Carrie or Blake get 51, 52% of the remaining votes yep. in Pima County. Is that right? Yep. Yes. Which is great. That means that Katie Hobbs has no, she really has no, no county. Path. She has no path if that's the case. Yep. Nope. No yep. matter what, period. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Okay, so I I would like to believe that that's a reality. The only problem that I had this is at the you know this is the a nine minute clip that Carrie posted on Twitter, yeah. but the problem is this is the end of the nine minute clip. Before this, there well, this was a part. The, this is the middle. No, no, this is, is the, this end. the end. This okay. is the end of okay. the nine minute clip. Before okay. this, middle of the clip, they're actually talking about the fact that they had this kind of problem. The elections director in Maricopa County confirmed last night that there were more than two vote centers that had an issue where at the end of the night, part of the poll worker breakdown process is they pull all the ballots out of uh, the tabulator bins and they bag them. And when they pulled them out, they pulled out the separator that keeps the tabulated ballots on one side and the door three ballots on the other side. So if those got commingled together, and it's our understanding that they got commingled together in more than two vote center locations, that would mean that we have ballots that didn't get counted when they said how many went into door three and later began the process of sending them to tabulation. Oh, so yes, I believe there are potentially more than, potentially a lot more, but there are more than 17,000. That's incredible. That's like so, walking into a wedding with a cake and tripping. And dropping the keg, you, know, you can't undo and, that. I mean, you and, just can't undo and that. While if, everybody's at the party going yeah. in to make a new cake, <laughs> if, if only we knew when election day was going to be. Yeah. If only we could have <laughs> known ahead of time and, and been organized. like ready for counting. Not like yeah. you had one job. So there's a, yeah. job. So they're going to have to take all the. One of the things she said after this was Gina said that they're going to actually have to take all those ballots back again and recount them. I, you know what? At this point, when I see that kind of incompetence, I want to fire those people yeah. to you make sure you don't get to count work. again. You don't, you're yeah. done. They should yeah. fire the person in charge of elections in Arizona. You mean Hobbs? <laughs> Hobbs. Hobbs. But that's the thing. If 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 Katie Hobbs wins, um. Do you really want her to be your governor after all of this? I, at some point, can we say, can we have a mulligan? Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. like, I want a mulligan. So yeah. you're you're a lawyer, right? Yeah. Well, how do you fix this? You're a smart guy. Oh, fire, man. fire everybody. <laughs> 
Yeah, you fire everybody, and you just have to significantly tight up the sh- tighten up the ship. I mean, the the fundamental issue that causes the difficulty in counting ballots is when you have so many mail in ballots. Mm. You know, they don't they don't want mail in ballots being counted before election day because if they're counted before election day, the results will be leaked. Right. So they're stacking up huge piles of mail in ballots, yeah. and yep. they can't uh, count them until election day is over. So they've got to they've got to change their they've got to drastically shorten the window for mail in ballots. I mean, I don't know. I don't even think there should be mail. Maybe you could have absentee ballots, but widespread mail in ballots just shouldn't be happening. Full stop. Everybody votes on election day. It's how you know eighty percent of democracies around the world do it. There's no reason we can't do it here. You'd think. Well, anyways, <laughs> Dime Payments is a Christian unprocessing payment business. Every business needs a payment process system. That's right. Um, apparently Arizona needs a payment process system. <laughs> so please go to dimepayments.com forward slash FLF and sign your business up. Working with them supports us. They won't cancel you like Stripe canceled President Trump. They won't cancel you like MailChimp canceled the Babylon Bee. It's true. Check them out. At least have a phone call. Tell them that Cross Politics sent you. You better. Go to dimepayments.com forward slash FLF. Y'all ready for... The weekly wrap-up? Give it a beat. I like it. Is it coming? Is it coming? Hey, hey. On Monday, Dr. J. Bhattacharya was in the house. Oh, man. Well, you know, via phone call. Read the CDC, the Riot Act, listing the ways our government's medical advisors failed us during the COVID. He gave us five. And how evangelical elites like Francis Collins supported misinformation and the suppression of medical freedom. What did they do? Oh, man, I wrote it down, so I'm going to tell you again. They suppressed the fact that we were dealing with a virus with a 99.8% survival rate. Children were never at risk. Lockdowns did nothing to stop the spread. But they certainly crushed our economy and supply chains, throwing 100 100 million people into poverty worldwide, hitting the poorest people the hardest with estimates of 240,000 children dying in Asia alone from fallout from the lockdowns. We were lied to about the potency of natural immunity. (laughs) We were lied to about the efficacy of the vaccines. They don't stop transmission. And we caused millions to lose their jobs over the vaccine for a virus that, again, I might want to point out, has a 99.8% survival rate Mm. and was never a threat to children. Did I mention that? They also required masks everywhere when all our medical studies from before the pandemic clearly indicated that they do nothing to stop the spread of viruses. And we probably spent sent piles of the most vulnerable people, like the elderly, to early deaths by giving them a false confidence in masks. And don't forget, he never mentioned this, that they had to redefine the definition of the vaccine oh, yeah. to constitute yeah. and, as a vaccine. And more, and more. And, more. and, well, that, yeah, was, and, and that was just Monday. Yeah. <laughs> on Tuesday, we had Doug Wilson in the house yeah. to watch him set stuff on fire. We like doing that. Kept we, him away from my computer, we, though. Uh, yeah, we did. We also talked to him about No Quarter November and the rise of Christian nationalism. And it's our hope that Christian nationalism is the gateway drug to general equity and common law theonomy. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. Alfred the Great, Samuel yeah. Rutherford, John Knox with his, you know, battle axe. You know yeah. about his battle axe? Yes, And I do. John Witherspoon, who signed all of the American documents. We also did a midterm election coverage show that night. Russell Moore never could have signed those documents. No. no. Where we, where we talked God. with William Wolfe, Dennis Serfate, Dale Courtney, and Zach Lautenschlager. 
about election results. What I remember from that evening is that William Wolf said he's planning on baptizing his newborn baby. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis Cervantes said Chocolate Knox already tried to at ReformCon, and Zach's baby's already baptized. And Dale Courtney brought the best sipping gin I've ever had. It was trippy. Those, it was trippy. I didn't even know there was such a thing as sipping yeah, gin. Yeah, it's trippy. Yeah, those were the main election results I remember. <laughs> On Wednesday, we discussed the red wave of abortion bills, where a number of states gave God the middle finger yeah. and dared him to destroy, to destroy them. The biggest Republican wave was in Florida, where Ron DeSantis claimed his victory was something like the Apostle Paul's valedictory preparing for martyrdom. Ooh. And that means that either DeSantis is getting a bit puffed up, or else he's prepping for execution. I don't, did yep. you know All that's right. what Paul yeah. was talking about yeah. in 2 Timothy? The psalm of the day was Psalm 20. So good. And we talked about how God's strength comes out of the sanctuary. This is my psalm of the week, and not just the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. it's for real. Yeah. And that's why we don't trust in horses or chariots or elections or money. And I gave a list of the five most important political actions Christians do, beginning with biblical worship on the Lord's Day and building faithful families. Yesterday, we talked about some of the outstanding elections where they've hired the McDonald's milkshake techs to run them. And we watched Kamala and Biden doing their victory laps. Somebody yeah. actually suggested that Fetterman was so authentic, maybe he should consider running for president. Ooh. And Chocolate Knox actually nominated him here on our show. I'm with it. So <laughs> if, if Fetterman becomes our next president, you all know who to blame. We also talked about the, current, <laughs> about the current backlash against Trump, which is what the establishment Republicans are always trying to do. And even though I probably like DeSantis better on paper, I'm still incredibly suspicious of the Republican establishment. And part of me is inclined to think that we need another four years of chemo. Yeah. <laughs> My final thought for this week is that we really must double down on Psalm 20. Our help comes out of the sanctuary, not Washington, D.C., and right. certainly not the CDC. That's right. But this isn't an escapist message. What we want is the whole counsel of God proclaimed in the sanctuary. We want the Lord Jesus Christ proclaimed. His name is our banner. And then we want to take his word, his gospel, his law, and go apply it everywhere, starting in your own heart and life, then your marriage and family, then your schools, businesses and cities, counties, states, nations, and the whole world. In other words, if you're doing it right, you should be getting all of Christ for all of life. Mm. Preach, preach up. All right. So um, how much time do y'all have? We have time for a little backstage. Uh, little I got I to gotta go meet, but you guys can. Um, right, I got a meeting. That we went okay. way into my meeting. So, uh, well, we, your meeting. I can, I can leave. Okay. Yeah. Hold on one sec. So, Josh, um, are you one of those Christian nationalists? Wait, don't answer. Don't answer. Don't answer. Just not just if you're single, get married. If you're married, what do we want to know? If you're married, have kids. If you have kids, go baptize them. Until Monday, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic. Putting off writing that proposal again? Yeah, we've been there. Proposal writing can be tough. It takes work, and if you're not careful, you can set up your company for failure. Well, that's where we come in. Smart Pricing Table is an innovative application that focuses on, well, the pricing table. Instead of a static document and constant back and forth, our platform creates interactive proposals that empower your prospects. Not sure if something is needed? Make it optional. Have complicated services that vary? Let your customer do the work with line item upsells. Have reoccurring services? Easy peasy. With Smart Pricing Table, you can create attractive proposals quickly. And our system is built for reuse, so you can get out of that hamster wheel. Give your customers choice and close deals quickly with Smart Pricing Table.
It is the duty of the free man to resist tyranny at every turn. Every man will either watch his freedom stripped away or take action to protect what he loves. Introducing the A3, the newest revolutionary body armor from Armored Republic. The A3 is the new standard for lightweight multi-hit body armor. A3 plates are incredibly light at 4.6 pounds. The patented design captures fragmentation while remaining multi-hit capable. The A3 will stop up to M80 ball, yet comes in at only 0.7 inches thick. The A3 is the thinnest NIJ.06 compliant or certified composite standalone plate that includes the drop test. The A3 is the first of its kind, patent pending, that combines an alloy strike face with polyethylene backing, revolutionizing body armor technology by providing strength and durability while remaining sleek and maneuverable. The A3 is the new standard in lightweight body armor. The fight against tyranny just got stronger.